T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. The Crisis Next Door, a weekly report on the biggest conflicts around the world with host Jason Brooks. Thank you for listening to The Crisis Next Door. I'm your host, Jason Brooks. We're going to focus on global hotspots. We'll be talking to experts in these particular areas to get a better understanding of what's driving these conflicts and to see if there are any solutions on the horizon. The inaugural podcast will focus on the Middle East and Israel with its increasingly deadly confrontations with the Palestinians and its heightened war footing with Iran. The crisis next door is joined by Wayne White, a scholar with the Middle East Institute, who earlier in his career was a senior State Department Middle East intelligence official. Wayne, thank you very much for joining us. We've seen just tremendous scenes of violence at the Gaza border with Israel as the Nakba anniversary came and went with dozens of Palestinian deaths and also hundreds of injuries uh, due to Israeli live fire across that fence. What can be achieved by Hamas attempting to do this? And what is Israel risking by this deadly response? Well, the uh, embassy move came at a very touchy time. You couldn't have perhaps picked a worse time to move the embassy in terms of the exact timing. First, you had the anniversary of the founding of Israel, which of course produces a counter uh, celebration, sort of an anti-celebration on the Palestinian side, the Nakba, you know, or catastrophe, which that represents in their eyes. Also, uh, we had the approach of Ramadan, uh, we're almost upon Ramadan right now, which tends to uh, inflame opinions. But what they were really trying to do was uh, contrast the, uh, uh, the embassy's uh, move with uh, the plight of uh, Gaza and the plight of the Palestinians, uh, all embodied in Nakba. Uh, and so that, they were basically mounting a counter-demonstration. And one thing one has to keep in mind is the protests of many of the people who come out uh, and risk their lives like this, um, not even approaching the fence and getting shot anyway, uh, in most cases, uh, producing a lot of leg wounds, which also produce a lot of amputations. Uh, What they're protesting is the embargo against Gaza, because Gaza is under Hamas control, and Hamas is an extremist uh, Palestinian faction, medicines, basic foods, you name it, doesn't get into uh, Gaza. And this has gone on for almost a decade, in fact, over a decade now, and conditions in Gaza are miserable. Day-to-day conditions for citizens there, Um, you know, massive unemployment, uh, poor food quality, uh, even poor water quality because you can't get any equipment in to, to fix it, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and uh, the protest was about Jerusalem. It was about the Palestinian cause uh, essentially stuck. 
but also it was a lot of it was about the boycott uh, that is ongoing of Gaza, and the fact that we have to remember that uh, perhaps 50 percent of the people in Gaza don't even support Hamas, can't do anything about it, but they're suffering. Uh, and uh, the suffering is grave and serious, particularly now as casualties are being treated in hospitals that are squalid, have, have a lack of supplies for practically any kind of treatment, equipment, medicines, etc. Uh, and so the demonstration is not just a counter-demonstration uh, against Jerusalem, a counter-demonstration embodied in Nakba, which is the counter-demonstration of every year, but also of appalling humanitarian conditions. At what point does Hamas at what point does Hamas take up arms and actually attack Israel? It will it get to that point. It seems like there're increasing calls for Gazans for Hamas to act itself against Israel. It may happen it may not. The problem is that uh if Gaza if the if Hamas does this, the Israeli counterpunch will be overwhelming. Uh, for every you know, Israeli who dies, there'll be a hundred Palestinians in Gaza who will die. We went through, you know, a round of that, a massive round of uh, Gazan uh, fighting against Israel uh, some years ago, and that was the result. And also massive infrastructure uh, damage through Israeli bombings, artillery fire, rocketing, and what have you. And so, and most of the rockets that uh, Hamas fires, which the Israelis often make a big deal out of, go nowhere. Um, they're not particularly long-range, and uh, they typically fall in farming fields uh, in the desert. Uh, not, not particularly, they, they'll accidentally, they'll, they'll inadvertently occasionally score uh, a hit. But, I mean, rockets going out of Gaza will maybe, you know, kill five Israelis, wound 30, and the, all the uh, artillery fire bombs and rockets going into Gaza will kill uh, 3,000, wound 10,000, and wreck the infrastructure. So you can see the imbalance is so dramatic that for Hamas to embark on such a, uh, an effort again would be unpopular in Gaza, highly unpopular. It's bad enough already. Where is the support for Gazans? Uh, we see that in the West Bank, very limited protest, obviously not under the same embargo as Gazans are, but equally affected by the U.S. Embassy move to Jerusalem. We've seen various Arab leaders talk about meeting and, and condemning the Israeli attacks against the Palestinian protesters. But what is this support, if any, going to do for Gazans? It, it isn't doing much. In fact, a number of countries uh, bitterly oppose the uh, blockade. Uh, and I'm talking about countries in Europe, you know, bitterly oppose uh, the blockade, the humanitarian disaster that Hamas has become, let alone in the Muslim world. But efforts to break the blockade have completely failed. Turkey has repeatedly tried to break the blockade by sailing ships into Gaza or attempting to with medications and everything, and the Israelis just stopped the ships. There was an ugly incident a few years ago in which people were killed on one of those ships, and Americans were aboard. Uh, and so there isn't much anyone can do uh, to help them. Uh, and uh, the, But the, the, the thing that people keep forgetting is they're not going to crack under this. Hamas it can't afford to, to do that. It has its extremist uh, stance. Uh, and the people in Gaza, 
uh, frankly, uh, in many cases, are getting more and more enraged uh, and becoming even more aligned with Hamas because of the, their outrage over the blockade. And so the blockade is not helping. Security has obviously been a key issue for Israelis since the founding 70 years ago. Absolutely. Has that changed at all? Right is now that... for an, to the advantage of uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. Yeah, that, that appears to be the case in most of the polling that's coming out of uh, polling coming out of Israel as well at this point. We've seen reports that Israel is attempting to move closer to Saudi Arabia. They both share a common enemy in Iran, but with the current Palestinian crisis in in Gaza, is that something that's going to push Saudi Arabia farther away from Israel and, and Israel gaining a potential key ally in the Arab world? Well, right now the Saudis, along with a whole raft of uh, Islamic states uh, cannot move closer to Israel in the wake of the Jerusalem, um, the Jerusalem move, because they consider it a catastrophe uh, affecting the peace process. Uh, one thing the Saudis have always been able to do is, um, below the below the radar, maintain a certain uh, dialogue and relationship because there was an ongoing peace process because it appeared that the United States was working on the process, whether it be the George W. Bush administration or whether it was Obama or even with less credibility, the Trump administration. But now that has been damaged. And so as far as having more uh, direct contacts, although sub rosa, uh, I think you're going to see a hiatus in that. You're not going to see this kind of thing. The Crisis Next Door is joined by Wayne White, a scholar with the Middle East Institute. On top of the deadly confrontations with the Palestinians, Israel is entering a new phase in its relationship with Iran. The two sides have exchanged fire several times in the past couple of months. This is a huge development for the Middle East, as Israel and Iran have never gone at it before, but yet here they are. Wayne, are Israel and Iran finally going to fight that war? It's something that uh, Benjamin Netanyahu seems to be in favor of, of sort of ending the Iranian problem. And uh, he has taken the uh, the U.S. pullout from the uh, Iran deal, uh, the pullout of the most important party to the Iran deal other than Iran, uh, as an opportunity to start slamming away at every single possible Iranian target of significance uh, inside of Syria, not just hitting here and hitting there once every two months, that kind of thing, if there's a specific threat, but actually hammering away, you know, in recent uh, days and weeks, uh, almost every other day against targets. So, yes, the Israelis are definitely trying to uh, take this as an opportunity to hammer away at the uh, Iranians. Outside of some setbacks against Hezbollah in 2006 and its foray into Lebanon in 82, Israel's had a pretty good record when it comes to fighting battles. Is taking on Iran something that it could even achieve militarily, or is that something that's it's biting too much for what it can handle? It's a good question, because the Israelis simply do not have the aerial throw weight to take out the Iranian nuclear infrastructure. Um, Israel does not have the long-range capability uh, for moving against the Iranians. In fact, um, before relations with Turkey deteriorated under Erdogan, 
uh, under Erdogan, Turkey's relations with practically everyone has deteriorated, uh, and the, except for uh, Vladimir Putin. Um, before then, Israel's uh, contingency plan for making a strike against some key aspects of that infrastructure was to fly its long-range fighters, not, it, that does not make up the majority of its air force by any means, fly its long-range fighters up uh, to the coast off Turkey where they would be refueled by air, uh, aerial refueling tankers. And with Turkish uh, winked uh, unofficial permission to streak across southern Turkey uh, and hit the Iranians that way. Now, on the return leg, they would probably come straight back over Iran and, and, and Jordan and what have you. But on the leg, the sensitive leg out where they're carrying their payload, they were going over southern Turkey. Well, that's not going to happen anymore. So getting to the target is even hard. You, they would have to overfly Jordan. They would have to have a wink and a nod from Saudi Arabia to fly over Saudi airspace and hit uh, the Iranians. But even if they did they could only take out a few targets. In fact, so few as to enrage the Iranians and practically ensure that the Iranians would fire ballistic missiles uh, back at Israel and score hits. Just like Saddam Hussein did back in 1991, these would be conventional warheads. Uh, but the Iranians have better aim, more sophisticated ballistic missiles, and so these things would score hits on downtown Tel Aviv and, you know, places like that. There really would be Israeli losses. And and the Iranian nuclear program would by no means be knocked out. Only the United States has the capability of taking the entire, uh, the entire task in hand and doing it. Israel, the Middle East, it's it's been a mess of a situation for several decades now. Are we any closer to a solution now or are we even further away than we have been in recent decades oh, much further away uh, in fact it's interesting when we hear uh, talk uh, from the administration or from pundits about regime change that you know maybe restoring the sanctions on Iran will create a regime change in Iran you know that would bring in a, a favorable government and begin the deterioration of the government of the clerics. To the contrary, this has inflamed the Iranian situation, and if this deal can't be uh, held together uh, by Iranian President Rouhani and the foreign minister uh, Javad Zarif, they're finished. What is bubbling up in Iran is a turn to the hardliners. And another thing, in the peace process, uh, with this devastating blow, the Jerusalem blow, we could see something else that's disturbing on the Palestinian front. Regime change on the West Bank. We could see Mohammed Abbas, who's been the partner uh, and a rather patient uh, partner, fall or be forced out. We might even see, in some uh, dire scenarios, the collapse of the Palestinian Authority in the West Bank. If that happens, the West Bank becomes chaotic, uh, it becomes dangerous, if the elements there that would want to confront Israel and uh, attack uh, Israeli settlements and everything would be far freer to do so. And we might even see Hamas uh, control effectively spread to the West Bank. We could see a radicalization of the West Bank. And so, no, we're not near uh, solutions. We are 
facing a situation with regard to Iran that might produce a war, and it would be an American war because only we can do it, a costly one, uh, to take out Iran's nuclear infrastructure, and we could see the situation in the occupied territories deteriorate like it's never uh, happened before. And that is a very sobering outlook. The crisis next door has been joined by Wayne White, a scholar with the Middle East Institute. Wayne, thank you very much for joining us today. And that wraps up the inaugural edition of The Crisis Next Door. Join us next time for another look at a global hotspot. I'm Jason Brooks. The Crisis Next Door with host Jason Brooks is produced weekly. If you have any thoughts for Jason, email him at tcndpodcast at kcbsradio.com. Again, that's tcndpodcast at kcbsradio.com. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 